0: Anybody recognize that song?
1: Recorded. Of you live. Did. The rest of you may as well go home. <clears throat> now I remember two things about Pat.
0: You want me to tell you which you want me to share with them which two things? Well, one thing is that Right after I had had my surgery, I had to go back up to where was that? Yeah, but where, 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 that was way, way far away. And a horse buggy, you know, it took hours. Anyway, she had to come all the way from her house in Queen Creek, all the way to my house in Sun Lakes, all the way back to the doctor, which was north, way up north, somewhere in Apache Junction, I think. Huh? Somewhere, and then bring me all the way back home again. And the only difference was is that when I went, I didn't know what my report was going to be, and when I came back, I was a little lighthearted. <laughs> the doctor said, you've got at least three days. Uh, so I, I remember that, and that was a great, appreciated that very much. And also, you know, Corey and Pat did the thanksgiving and the christmas decorations in here so we appreciate that i don't think i'd mentioned that before and i didn't know about who was doing that so you all did it and did, did Kylin get in on get, get in on that oh, yeah. sorry yeah. yeah she got in on the decorating the so that was beautifully done and we appreciate that very much yeah, like... yeah you did what i think it Kaipo said it looked really nice. So he, he's the official judge here of such things. And, uh, <clears throat> and, of course, Snoopy is bringing Mom and Dad, and we're very thankful for Snoopy. He brings Ron and Inger. Without him, we might not see them. He's a little nervous, and he's had a, he had a rough life. But um, he's getting settled down. They beat him every day. That helps. <clears throat> Working, you know. I'd like to finish this up today because this is intended to be all all inclusive on thanks uh, on uh, New Year's Day, New Year's Sunday. But because of Lana, you know, I just keep getting sidetracked. She's the one that's always telling me, "I want more rabbit trails, more rabbit trails." Isn't that you? Okay. Mer, that's Merwin. Well, I think you're always, you're encouraging him somehow. Um, <clears throat> but we've been, we, you know, we're, we're the big theme here is things that we're telling God that he can expect out of us. That's the lifestyle that's labeled in the Bible as the word prayer. Prayer as a noun is a state of being. And it means what it is you tell God that He can expect out of you. It's a vow made toward God. That's what the word literally means. There are other words in the New Testament that are translated to prayer that don't have that meaning at all. They mean to beg or petition. But the word that we use generally is not transferring our responsibility to Him, but identifying with God what our responsibilities are, and that we have, we have the capability and the responsibility of following through. That's prayer. As a verb, that's our daily action. As a lifestyle, then it's a noun, and it's talking about a state of being that we are always living in that frame of mind of trying to live up to what
1: we have told God we ought to be doing. How many of you have mastered that? All right, those of you who have not, stay. If you have, you may as well go. Now, we've been talking about Prayer, as as first of all, two things.
0: One, natural law cannot be changed by prayer. We've given you many, many examples. That's not the purpose of Christian prayer, is to try to get God to change natural law. You cannot change when the sun rises and when it falls. You ought not be praying for that kind of thing. Now, there may be cases where you would petition God for some reason, but Remember, that's not what prayer is. Prayer is always aimed toward what it is you can do, not what God can do. So we looked, we looked at natural law and all of the random activities that
1: God has built into natural law. If God was micromanaging life, he wouldn't have needed to put in
0: a law. But God put in natural laws, the law of gravity, the law of electronics, the law of, uh, of um, gravity, all of those different natural laws. You know, there's thousands, millions of them, I suppose. But he put those in action so that they would be the governing influence and, not he, and that he would not have to micromanage. So God does not micromanage his universe is held together by the word of Christ's power. He is the purpose of it all. But God does not have to micromanage the storm. And because people don't understand this, they think that when something happens, uh, a tragedy, they blame God. How many of you, be honest with me now, how many of you have ever heard anybody blame God for anything that has happened? See, that comes from the very un- uh, from those who have not accepted what I just said, that God does not micromanage. There is random activity with all of the systems of God's natural law. And if there is a storm, and somebody, well, I was in a house one time in Coos Bay when I was a little boy, and uh, <clears throat> we lived as uh, uh, Qualman's oyster uh, bay. And uh, I, all of my folks were gone, All my brothers, everybody was gone. I was home alone. We had a terrible windstorm. We had tall fir trees. And a couple of them came down and hit the house. Well, those who believe that in God's sovereignty, he does not exercise restraint, they have to say, well, now God put those, caused those trees to fall on our house.
1: Folks, that's not true. That's not true at all. And that's where,
0: from that point, people get into, and by the way, I woke up, you know, later. They were all, all the roads were blocked and and uh, I stepped through all of that. And they were all worried about me and I was sleeping. I was just a kid. Didn't bother me any. For some reason, you know, if you're numb, my dad would call me a numbskull. When, when, you're, when you're numb, nothing like that bothers you. So it pays to be a numbskull, so no doubt about that. Anyway, <clears throat> but, you know, people have uh, uh, storms and things happen, people die. God is not micromanaging those storms. They're all within random activity of natural law. So let's not blame God for what happens along that line. That's natural law. There's nothing you can do through prayer to change that. Prayer is not our way of dealing with God on what things he has put within his law that are natural and random activity within those laws. But then there is also um,
1: uh, revealed law. By the way, The law, the natural laws of God take the
0: place of his micromanagement of those laws. Everything observed by the senses, everything, everything observed by the senses of man was created in the framework of natural law, including man. Prayer is not intended to change any element of natural law. Law takes the place of that micromanagement. Now I move on. The purpose of it all, of all of the natural law that God has put into place, is knowable only through revealed law. The two laws of the universe, natural law and revealed law. And the application of revealed law, of it all, is through covenant law that God has covenants that he has established with his people. Folks, it was progressive, beginning with the Old Testament, uh, the patriarchal age. There was sacrifice by the father of each family to keep his family in alignment with God. That was during the Old Testament, during you know, Abraham's time and before, up back to Adam. Sacrifice, and why sacrifice? Because sacrifice is the acknowledgement of will-revealed and willful sin, not public consensus. Sacrifice is the acknowledgement that through revelation we have learned that what we are doing is out of step with God. That was patriarchal, and the same meaning is applied in the Mosaic Age of, of from the the establishment of the nation of Israel on. The Mosaic law expanded the uh, sacrificial system to a nation with a history. And then we know that the the huge sacrificial system of the law, it was just immense. And the priesthood and the priests that were involved, the the, uh, Levitical priesthood, all of that was regarding the sacrificial aspect of the law. And the purpose of that was, again, the sacrifices was a public acknowledgement to a nation that there was a, there was a revealed law for life and that we have broken that willfully. That creates sin. Not based on how people felt about it, what their feelings were, but it was a violation of revealed law. Then we come to the Christian age. The Bible is broken up into those three ages, the the patriarchal age, the mosaic age, and the Christian age. In the Christian age, we are identified by having a sacrifice for the atonement of all of mankind potentially. But sacrifice of Jesus Christ is our constant reminder as we partake of the Lord's Supper, is our constant reminder that there is a revealed sacrifice Standard and a willful violation of that revealed standard constitutes sin, and sacrifice is our means of
1: being atoned from willful sin. So, in Christianity, there was a
0: sacrifice for the atonement of all of mankind, potentially not confined any longer to the nation of Israel but all of those who voluntarily become, by their choice, the Israel of God. Now, we want to go with that background. We have a standard that revealed law cannot be altered by prayer either. So we have natural law that prayer has no effect on God's altering of natural law. We went through many examples in the last three weeks. Revealed law cannot be altered by prayer either. That is not the purpose of prayer as we are defining it here, not in the term of petition or asking or pleading or beseeching. Those are other words that apply. But when we use the word prayer, we are talking about our responsibility to God, not his responsibility to us. And people have failed to make that
1: distinction. Which reminds me uh, that we live in a world of needy people. This is a created situation. And the cause of that needs to be recognized and addressed.
0: Socialism Creates a needy society, dependent upon the state, from the cradle to the grave. Ever heard that? That's, you know, we call that socialism. I don't care what you call it. I don't know for sure that that's the right term. But it means that we make our people dependent upon the state. We become needy people. individualism and self-reliance is ruled out and everything is viewed from the standpoint of society as a whole. It doesn't make any difference what happens to your house, it what happens to the community. That's socialism. Religion also has contributed toward people being so needy as they are in this generation as in no other generation in history that we have become, through religion, dependent upon some external agent as a manipulator of our life and of our thinking. Some refer to that as the Holy Spirit. Some refer to it as the Holy Grail. Some refer to it depending on where you are and how you look at it all. But it means that we have, through religion, surrendered our self-reliance and individual responsibility to an external agent. And also from a misconception of prayer, because that, too, is a transfer of individual responsibility as we have viewed it as to how it ought to be that it is the, it is the incentive to fulfill our responsibility because we have made a vow and a commitment to God to
1: be a responsible, self-reliant people. So in religion, self-reliance is ruled out, even though the Bible says several times that the fruit of of your spirit is self-control. All of what the Bible addresses is
0: something that we're going to be leading into in just a few moments. Things that You can do. You have the capacity to do. And you can't transfer that to somebody else, to a third party. Even in religion, individual strength and individual sovereignty, that is self-responsibility for your life and your choices, is ruled out. Even in Christendom. And so we have created a society of needy people That society of needy people has been created by both politics and by religion. It's the church's viewpoint to reestablish individualism, individual responsibility, self-reliance,
1: gird up your loins and be strong like a man. I probably ought not say any more on that. And you see, when you have needy parents, you create certain... If you have a father who is an addictive father, addictive to alcohol, his son will say, and his son will say, Dad, drunk,
0: drunk, drunk. How many of you folks have ever been drunk? Be honest, raise your hand. I mean, really drunk. Naughty, naughty. Did you get a note? I was busy raising my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all right, all right. Uh, You know, I'm not bragging, but I've never been there yet. (laughs) I have, after some church meetings, I've been tempted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, that's an idea. I've been to Vegas many times, but only for lectureships. Anyway, uh, for you know, training programs that we've had in Las Vegas, but that's a great center for that. It's a great place to do that. But if you see your dad always coming home drunk and how he meets, he beats, you know, and takes advantage of his family, cruel, that kind of drunkenness. I mean, the sun rises up, sees all of that, witnesses all of that, and he says. One thing, I'll never be my, like, like my dad. Now, as soon as the son says that, you know what's going to happen psychologically? He's going to become just like his dad. He's not going to be a drunkard. He's going to have an addiction in some other capacity of life. He's going to be addicted to food. He's going to be addicted to um, pleasure. He's going to be addicted to something. But he will ca- he will carry on... The addiction. You see that? Over and over in psychological studies, you find that fathers who have sons who say they'll never be like their dad almost always pick up some level of addiction to be just like their dad, but in some other way. See, that's what happens. When we become a needy people, it is promoted and added into the next generation. Is that biblical? I think, let me, let me try a verse here. Go, go in your, you have Bibles? or, we, or we, have, um, we have Alex on hand today. We don't need a Bible. Um, and we can manipulate that thing, you know. We can get it to say whatever we want. I think, I think an extreme example is in Deuteronomy chapter
1: 5. I sure hope I'm right. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 9. Now this is an extreme example. There are others, but this is an extreme. You
0: shall not worship them or serve them. He's talking about worshiping anything outside of the Jehovah of creation. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God.
1: Now, notice what he does as a consequence when mom and dad get tied up in the wrong thinking. Visiting, does he have it up there? Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children.
0: Dads and moms, if you have weaknesses and are a needy person, that will be transferred to your children in some way, some manner, likely.
1: What does that make you want to do as a parent? Either not have children or get serious about life. And if you have weaknesses and are a needy person,
0: You need to develop strength. And that's where we want to go today, and it looks like I'm not going to get there. Greg says, so that's new? (laughs) Well, I just can't rush. You know, I don't think fast enough. So visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and the fourth generation. Have you ever seen that? Of course you have. Even in the churches, the same characteristics are passed
1: on from generation after generation. And what you see that you don't like is very often the thing that has been passed on by the parent, maybe
0: in some other capacity, but the same type of thing. And on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, because they put something else ahead of me. And a
1: lot of times, that's just personal feelings. So a lot of times, the children can't be helped a
0: great deal until the parent becomes strong and self-reliant. So that's one of the big ministries of the church today, is to get mommies and daddies, grandmas and grandpas and little children
1: strong, and self-reliant. Because that's why. Weaknesses are passed on. Needy, needy needy mothers
0: give rise to promiscuous daughters. That is psychology in a secular university. It's just the way it is. Now, the goal is found in Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. So, you know, if, if that's the case, and we're talking about here that we, in the lifestyle of prayer, there are responsibilities. That's where we want to get to. And Nancy just keeps keeps me from getting there. It's just some kind of a barrier there. we well, we'll, we will get there. But foundation is so important. You have to know where we're going, but you have to know how and why we want to go there. Colossians chapter 1. So you see, the awesome responsibility is for mommies and dads to be in the church, to be loyal and faithful to the church, and to produce a child, children, that are strong and self-reliant
1: and responsible. Responsible individuals. And you can't do that if you're wimpy.
0: Who said what? Somebody said something up here. On my deaf ear you said it, whatever it was. You're smarter than you look. All right, Colossians chapter 1. Here is the goal.
1: The goal. He, Colossians chapter one verses nine and ten. Yeah, we may go further than that. We, we may have to close with that. So, the,
0: begin with verse nine, Colossians chapter one. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not we have not ceased to pray for you. That is, in behalf of you, we are telling God. How you ought to be, and we want you to join in with that prayer of telling God what He can expect out of you and living up to it. Let's go on. For this reason, since the day we have heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. That, that is a lifestyle. Most of our Christian people
1: today are weak because they don't have that lifestyle of commitment. we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled
0: with the knowledge of his will. And by the way, that's in the even though in the analysis of the Greek text, that word fill is passive, as it is listed, there is no difference between the middle voice and the passive voice in this particular case, and it ought to be in the middle voice, which means that you are filling yourself. See that? All right, that you may be filled with, and that sounds like it's passive voice, but actually, because the ending is the same, it's really in the middle voice, which means that something you are doing unto yourself. Knowledge of his will in all spiritual, with the knowledge of his will in all, see, those are things you have to partake of. Nobody can do it for you. Knowledge of his will, knowledge of his will. Nobody can get and grasp the knowledge of his will without their own sacrifice and intent of learning it and then living up to it. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why in verse 10? So that you will walk. Who's doing your walking for you? You are. Nobody can do it for you so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You hold your head up. You don't have to live in shame. To please him, oh, whenever you have a desire to please, you never go far awry. Children who want to please mom and dad never go far awry. A dog that wants to please his master never goes far awry. Snoopy would never violate Inger. It wants to please Ron and Inger. It wants to please them. It's not going to do anything intentionally to hurt them. Even a dog knows that. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him, to please in all respects. That's the objective, to please Christ. Christ in every respect. You have not mastered that. I have not mastered that. We need to be mastering that, folks. We need to get a handle on life and become strong. Not vicious, not mean, but we need to be strong within ourselves to be and do the right thing. So that you can walk in a lifestyle that is worthy of the Lord. Folks, that's the lifestyle of prayer. Not going around saying, Jesus, that is so annoying. That hasn't got anything to do with reality. You will walk in a manner, in a lifestyle worthy of the Lord to please in all respects. Bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. No let up. Strengthened with all power. All capability that word is. All capability. You
1: are strong people to do what you can do. What you ought to be doing. According to his glorious might. What an example.
0: Stiffen up. Get strong. Become disciplined. Live a lifestyle of prayer, of commitment. That's what the word prayer means. A constant commitment to God, what he can expect out of you. That constitutes the Bible concept of prayer. You haven't heard a lot about that. Strengthen with all power according to his glorious might. To the attaining, here is what you attain to then,
1: all strength. Steadfastness. That means a stick to it. You're not wavering. Not high one day and low the next day. Patient Patience. Kenya has a hard time. You know, when you're always hurting.
0: It's difficult to be patient in pain, isn't it? I want to get over this. I want to get through this. But it doesn't go away. And so the amazing thing about her, the patience. I don't know how she does it.
1: Steadfast, even when things hurt. joyously in all of that giving thanks to the Father who has qualified
0: us to share in the inheritance of the saints. Now, that's, that's the goal of what it is we're talking about, and I have to leave you with that today. That's the goal. Keep it in mind.
1: Review it. Rehearse it. Get a handle on it. And then do something about it. The stand. Waiting for the music. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?